1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to The Tennis
0: Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Vilander, and you are listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well,
2: hello, and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. And the news this week is that Serena Williams' season is over. Venus Williams has won her biggest title for five years, and Britain now has a top... 50 player, a new one, not Andy Murray, another one. And as you'll hear in an interview with the former British number one Anne Kiothavong here on the Tennis Podcast, the rise of Joe Conter could only just be beginning because Anne Kiothavong believes that Conta could be a top 20 player by Wimbledon. We'll also talk about the rest of Wuhan, Eugenie Bouchard's sad condition with concussion which reared its head again today in Beijing, and we'll ask if this is the beginning of the end for Serena Williams. Will she ever be the same again? We'll also take your questions, myself, David Law, and Catherine Whitaker, who I'm happy to say is in the same part of the solar system as me today, because she's not contagious anymore.
1: I'm not contagious anymore. I still do sound a a little bit like the late, great Deirdre Barlow, but um, I am... Hopefully, not transmitting my germs to uh, to everybody in the near vicinity, which is good because two ill tennis podcast presenters would be a little bit of a disaster,
2: wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. One is okay, two's not. Basically, uh, Didri Bala. Just for those of you who are on the other side of the planet, not in England, who've not followed British culture, popular culture over the last fifty years, is a character from a great show called Coronation Street.
1: If you don't know Coronation Street, then stop listening to it. I don't. I don't want you listening to this podcast. You don't deserve to be come on come well
2: on. I better stop presenting and go to elsewhere then because I don't watch that rubbish anyway the tennis world we mentioned Great Britain has a top 50 player Catherine Whittaker let's start with that so how could everything else number 49 in the world is Joe Conter. that's impressive
1: yeah, and uh, by a, a, a cruel twist of fate in the ranking system, poor Joe Contra, as a result of her meteoric climb through the rankings, was unable to, to play qualifying for, for Beijing this week, which which is a shame for her. But, uh, I mean, there's no end of praise, is there? I mean, we're going to hear from Anthe- Anki Othovang, who can say it far better and with more authority than me, that she is just continuing to be brilliant. And we keep thinking... It has to fall apart. It has to fall apart because, you know, we, we've seen the old Joe Conter and we assume this new Joe Conter is a construct of some kind. Well, maybe this is the real Joe Conter and the other Joe Conter was, you know... The imposter. The imposter, exactly. And I'd love to think that that is, is the case.
2: Absolutely. Well, we'll hear from Anne Kiothavong in a little while. But what about that performance from Venus Williams, who was the player that eventually beat conter in the quarterfinals, and I mean she had to do it the hard way. concert didn't give her anything for free but the, the Venus Williams story just goes on doesn't it? I mean this is another fabulous win. She had to cope as well with a pulled muscle in the semi-finals against Roberta Vinci. Nice little bit of aggro between the two at the end, you know I always like that, but ultimately Venus Williams the champion. Got a little bit fortunate with the fact that Garbina Muguruza, who's back to form as well, also hurt.
1: Well, you could say fortunate. I mean, it, w- it was a, a battle of, of the, the walking wounded, wasn't it? And Venus, at the uh, tender age of 35... Uh, was the the one able to, to soldier on. So, I mean, that's to her credit as well. Uh, there's been quite a lot of aggro on the women's tour in the past, but you must be beside yourself with happiness. Are they doing it just to please you, David? I mean, there's been so much... I mean, just I think it's been just the right level of aggro, actually. It's been just a little bit of needle, just a little bit of, you know, crossed words at the net, but nothing, no, you know... Missed handshakes or anything, all within the confines of sportsmanship, but just enough spice to keep it interesting.
2: Absolutely, we love it here on the tennis podcast. The more aggro, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Now, one player who we're not going to be seeing any aggro from, nor any tennis from, in fact, for the rest of the year, is Serena Williams, because she is out. She's decided she doesn't want to play in the WTA Finals in Singapore. She released a, a statement to to say that she's obviously been suffering from various injuries throughout the course of the year, She's also obviously had the the psychological and emotional torment of being so close to the calendar year slam and coming up just short against Roberta Vinci at the US Open. And she was pretty upfront about it. She mentioned that in her statement as well. She's got to give her body time to heal and her heart time to heal as well. And, you know, it's obviously been a big blow for her.
1: An enormous blow. I'm very sympathetic. I I mean, I can't imagine how, how she might have tried to muster motivation for, for the end, end of the season. It's, it is a slightly odd thing, the end of the tennis season, isn't it? Yes, both tours have the World Tour Finals, which are huge events in their own right and they carry an enormous purse and and they are prestige events. However, they're not quite a grand slam and and I think the relentlessness of the tennis tour means inevitably everybody is physically and emotionally exhausted and it does feel like a bit of a limp towards the finish line and I can completely understand her lacking in motivation and, and it would probably have been more detrimental to the event had she played without motivation had she just rocked up because oh god I've got to play this and I think having Serena Williams there and not really being bothered about winning it is probably worse than not having Serena Williams there as big a blow as that is to the event
2: yeah and I think the truth is after that US Open disappointment she just needs probably to get on a beach for a month (laughs) not have to lift a racket and as she said just decompress, really, and just not worry about any of it for a while and come out, hopefully, from her perspective, fresh.
1: Yeah, because I think the calendar Grand Slam, whether she admitted it explicitly or not, uh, was obviously the most enormous ambition for her and has been an all-consuming ambition for the past... I mean, my guess is since she won the Australian Open and sort of in an overarching way throughout her career. So she can't now erase that as a goal. I think she has to now find a way to muster the motivation and the energy to think, right, well, I'm just going to go for it next year. Uh, which is an extraordinary thing. I don't think anyone's ever been through that mentally before because, you know, you've got to start from scratch again, even though she's still the holder of three Grand Slams. In terms of the Candy Year Grand Slam, which is what she's going for, she has to start right from zero again. But given that I think that still has to remain the goal for her, I think she has to regroup and find a way to go into 2016 thinking... Right. Well, this year I'm going to win the calendar. Could she do that.
2: it? Could she do it? Of
1: course she can do it. She's still the best player in the world by a mile. Of course she can. She's significantly less likely to do it now than she was before the US Open because she's got to win four, not one. But of course she is capable of it. Of course she is.
2: Certainly is capable because she's already won four in a row on two occasions, albeit not in the same calendar year. Now, I asked immediately after hearing that she had decided to call an end to her year, will she ever dominate Again, Now, clearly you're saying that she could. Do you think she will? And then we'll get a few listener thoughts on that subject.
1: I think she will if she wants to. Yeah, she's no worse a player than she was before she I. was. I.e.
2: if she's prepared to put in that level of yeah. commitment to it.
1: Absolutely. I think she's no worse a player than she was before she lost to Roberta Vinci. And that was, uh, I mean, in nor- I, I'm reluctant to say this because I feel it might indicate some detraction from what Roberta Vinci did, which it absolutely shouldn't, but nerves were the biggest factor in that match, and Roberta Vinci played those nerves magnificently, and you play your opponent, you know, that's that's the deal with sport. But I think she can if she really, really wants to. The question is uh, whether she can find that within her at, at the age of 34 now to actually do that, and I don't think we should assume that she will.
2: I certainly spoke to Tracy Austin straight after she lost that match, Serena Williams. And Tracy's view was that she probably froze a little bit on the day with so much at stake. And she thinks that it's a massive deal in terms of her future prospects not that she won't win big again but this was a, a huge opportunity missed now we asked you on social media at tennis podcast on twitter what you think and Susie reckons sticking her neck out and she says no I don't think she'll dominate again keeping a close eye on Muguruza and Sam sumik as a, a coaching and player partnership that could be awesome and certainly we saw some some shoots there that suggest that uh, Mugarutha could be the sort of player that may be able to challenge Serena Williams in the future. Tabarak says, I think her nerves have withered with age, despite remaining physically fine. Without that, she can dominate. I think that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Here's a player who's won four grand slams in a row. She's got a problem with her nerves. Don't think so, Tabarak. Tell
1: tell that to Heather Watson, Tabarak. I mean, does Heather Watson think Serena Williams' nerves were withered in that match at Wimbledon? I don't think so.
2: Degina says, I actually think she'll recover and win two slams at least in 2016. That's her goal, to overcome Steffi. Kimberly says, as she said in her own words, she loves the sport. She's competitive. She'll play as long as she's able. And therefore, she will be a contender once again. But Peter says this was a big blow. But after a couple of months out, she'll feel refreshed and ready to go again.
1: I think she'll play as long as she's able to be the best in the world. I don't see Serena flogging around on the tour at the age of 35 as, you know, world number eight. So I, I certainly don't see that happening. If she comes out in Australia and, I don't know, loses early or looks not herself, I think that's when there'll be question marks. If she comes out and wins Australia, it's it's all back on the table, isn't it? But I think to say she'll play as long as she's physically able, I mean, there are only a tiny, tiny group of people that have been able to go out on top. I mean, Sampras wrote the end to his career so beautifully, didn't he, with that... uh, Not
2: quite as well as Flavia Panetta, though, because Sampras took about eight months before coming to that decision. Flavia Panetta just said, right, I've won the US Open, that's it, bye.
1: Exactly. There are only a handful of people that have been able to do that. Most people, if they play as long as they're physically able, inevitably drop down a little bit. Serena Williams is not going to be flogging around the world at 35 years of age in you know floundering outside the world's top 2 or 3 even that's not happening
2: I'm 42 I'm going to play until I can no longer beat you
1: <laughs>
2: uh well that's the current state of affairs david you are unable to beat me no i can beat you i just didn't beat you didn't. because my cheating and my tennis were not quite sufficient but rematch this year okay. obviously
1: well what i'm saying is the stats don't lie and 100% of the times
2: we've played i have won all right, enough of that. Now, uh, Venus Williams, we mentioned, she's still going strong, stronger than ever. And it was noticeable that when she stepped out in Wuhan, I was commentating on some of her matches for BT Sports, and it was noticeable how loose and relaxed she was having taken a month off after the US Open. And right from ball one, I thought, crikey, she's in the sort of form that could take a far in this tournament. But to actually win it? She's now in, I think, 12th or 13th place on the road to Singapore. She's jumped about 10 places. She's got a real chance of getting there. And if she did, I'd give her a real chance of winning it.
1: Now, you've, been, you've been commentating um, on these events for BT Sport. Do you know mathematically what she might have to do to qualify? I know everyone's now talking about, wow, Venus could do it. And I think everybody seems to want her to do it. She's
2: in with a shout, Catherine. I'll tell you what, there's about 15 to 18 players that are in with a shout and I don't have the sort of brain that can add up a few straightforward sums, let alone work that lot out. It's
1: it's difficult at this stage of the season, isn't it? Because it's impossible to say, if Venus does this, she will qualify because, of course, they're interdependent factors, aren't they? So it depends on what everybody else does. But, I mean, if she keeps winning, surely she's got to be in with a very strong shout and who's going to beat her at the moment? It's difficult to say, isn't it?
2: It is, although she plays Anna Ivanovic in her first match in Beijing. That's not an easy match for her after a couple of days off. But anyway, we'll see how that all goes over the course of this next week. Now, the player she eventually beat in the quarterfinals to get through to the semis where Vinci awaited her was Johanna Conte. I've been commentating throughout the week in Wuhan on BT Sport alongside Anne Kiothovong, former British number one. So how well does Anne Kiothovong think she's been doing? It's been
3: impressive at how well she's done over the last couple of months and the way she's backed up a lot of these big wins, not just last week in Wuhan, but over the last few months in in the States. Um, and the improvements, are, you know, I must admit, I didn't see this coming from Johanna Conte.
2: And you actually were on the bench during the Fed Cup tie earlier this year, helping the British team out a little bit. So this has been a pretty dramatic transformation, hasn't it? Because, I mean, she, she's a good player. We've always known she's a, a Capable tennis player, but the idea that she would be going toe to toe and beating Simona Halep—okay, Victoria Azarenka was injured, but she was giving her a good match anyway. She pushed Venus Williams to the limit, and that's only recently. I mean, what she did at the U.S. Open just underlined that point.
3: Yeah, you know, Johanna Konta has always been a player with heaps of potential. She's always been a very good athlete, but it's you know, it's been well documented about how she has suffered from performance anxiety. I've witnessed it myself. I practiced with her many, many times at the National Tennis Centre in Roehampton. But the fact that she's gone. Away, worked on what she's needed to work on, particularly on the mental side. You know, she's being rewarded for all that hard work now, and she thoroughly deserves it. She doesn't look out of place whatsoever with against any of these top players. And now I'm watching her play and I'm thinking, yes, this can be I'm looking at potentially top twenty players. She can go further. She can win big titles, she can beat more top ten players, more top five players. Um, you know, there really is no limit. But um, you know, if she can stay injury free, stay focused, keep doing what she's doing you know the tennis world is her oyster
2: what do you mean about performance anxiety what is that
3: well knowing Johanna the way she is on court the way she is off court uh, she will admit this herself I mean she's she's quite a highly strong girl um and I say that in a good way you know she really cares about her tennis she she's meticulous she's she's a good pro um but uh you know sometimes nerves or or can get the better of you Um, sometimes you might want something too much and um, you know just freak out at times which uh, which she did you know with with Johanna certain things have to be done a certain way but she seems a lot more relaxed to um, a lot of things now her approach has changed she's um, she stayed very humble as well she hasn't allowed herself to get too overexcited and you know credit to her for addressing the problems she had in her game and, um, on the mental side and doing something about it. I just think in tennis these days, I think the mental side is so big. You see so many players who are capable of hitting big shots um, and producing great wins, but to do that week in, week out and to mentally just back yourself and stay calm and stay in the moment, you know, that's the hardest thing. And that's the difference between the very top players and the rest of the field. Um, But if you can get that right and whatever it is that takes it, takes you, you know, which which clicks. I dunno, it's different for every player. Um, you know, if you can address that and um keep working on it, then you know, you can see you can see how a player like Johanna Konta has been rewarded.
0: We've commentated Quality sleep is essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
2: You sure can, David.
1: Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code tennispod 20 for 20% off your
2: annual subscription. On a lot of WTA events over the last couple of years and you see a player have a great week and not necessarily back it up. You said top 20 there. I mean, that's a pretty big statement. What is it about the way Contra is playing that makes you think that this isn't just a flash in the pan?
3: I mean, technically, looking at her game her forehand has improved drastically. Her forehand used to be her shaky side. I mean, now she, she stays through the shot a lot better. It's, it's a weapon. She's always had a great serve. She's a tall young woman, five foot 11. She makes the most of her height on her serve. She's able to vary it. It's tough to read when you're up against her and she's moving. Well, she, she's, not afraid to play up the court. Um, and she's got, a, she's got a complete game. Um, and the more she plays at this level, the more she's exposed to the top players, the more confidence she will gain. And, uh, you know, I don't doubt that she feels like she belongs right up there.
2: Final question. Britain now has three players there in Heather Watson, Laura Robson and Johanna Konta, all of whom have been at one time or another inside the world's top 50. A year from now, where are they going to be ranked, do you think?
3: Well, I stand by what I say that Johanna Konta has the potential to be a top twenty player. You know, having witnessed the, the tennis she's played over the last couple of months, um, I don't think that will happen before the end of the season. Um, it's not possible with the number of tournaments that are left, but uh, certainly by mid next year, you know, potentially that I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see that Heather Watson.
2: So by Wimbledon
3: by Wimbledon why not she doesn't have an awful lot of points to defend well for the rest of this year or the start of next year she played mostly on the ITF circuit earlier this year I mean at the start of the year she was ranked 150 Um, but she's already had a number of top 10 wins top 20 wins and um, you know even last week in Wuhan came very close to putting out Venus Williams who went on to win the tournament Um, but yeah I think that that really is a possibility and I I don't want to you know, the. Biggest mistake, and I think it happens a lot, particularly here in Britain. You know, we get excited about a player, we hype someone up, and then we're quick to bring them down. But I genuinely believe that Conta um, can do, yeah, can do much more. Um, Heather Watson, well, she's been struggling recently, struggling for confidence. Um, you know, I don't think it'd be a bad thing for Heather to perhaps, well, go back to the drawing board. She's obviously got she's got a great coach in Diego Veronelli. She's got a great fitness trainer. Perhaps find someone who can help her more on that mental side. Um, I think that will be the biggest thing for Heather moving ahead. Uh, She's been a top 40 player. Um, There's no reason why she can't keep going higher. Um, And, you know, who who knows for Heather? Um, I know she's determined. I know she works hard. She's a great girl, as is Johanna. Um, But I don't want to put a number on it. Uh, Laura Robson, well, she's suffered with so many different injuries over the past two years. Um, For her, the main thing is being able to play tournaments back to back, um, stay injury free. Uh, I mean, Laura, we all know she's got the potential to do great things, but um, I think it will take time. And I think everyone needs to just cut her a bit of slack and be a little patient.
2: So we all need to cut her a little bit of slack do we I'll try my best Dan but I can't promise anything you know how I like to get a bit overexcited Catherine what do you think about what she had to say there first of all the fact that she thinks Conta can be a top 20 player in the world by Wimbledon
1: yeah well I heard people saying it at the US Open and that was before uh, she'd even backed up what she did at the US Open at, at Wuhan which as I said on last week's podcast I find equally impressive I agree that she's certainly capable of it I don't disagree that she's capable of it and if she is capable of it she's capable of it within that time frame however there is still that niggling thing at the back of my mind which says could it all just fall apart how fragile is this little bubble she's constructed Um, because it's just such a miraculous transformation is it all being held together loosely and could just fall apart at any minute or has she just found the key and unlocked the door to mental stability I don't know I mean I know that feeling of Oh God! I'm everything's going really well. I'm just holding it together, but I don't quite feel in in control of when it might fall apart. Um, And she doesn't give much away in press conferences and interviews about that. She says it's going really well. Yes, I've been working with this psychologist, this Spanish bloke. Who, frankly, I want his number. Um, He sounds like an absolute. He sounds like he could just, you know, sort everyone's life out completely. I think his name is Juan something Juan Cotto
2: we've got Juan to get Cotto. him on a podcast get him to tell everybody about their life and how to sort it out Exactly. might even get him to sort mine out make me present the podcast better
1: I think his rates might have gone up a bit recently anyway yeah she talks about that in sort of quite an abstract way yes I've been working with this bloke it's obviously working really well but she doesn't talk about sort of her actual mental processes on the court or she doesn't really give much away about the depths of what's going on in her mind so I've I've got no idea whether it's all it could all fall apart. If it does, then I'm incredibly sympathetic because for the rest of us mere mortals, it it, it it it's all only just held together and could fall apart at any minute. But as I said earlier, or on the other hand, of uh, on the other side of the coin, this could be the real Joe Conta that's been waiting to come out all this time. So she certainly is capable of it. If this new Joe Conta is here to stay,
2: top twenty in the world by Wimbledon or not, Catherine Whittaker
1: not quite, I don't think. I do think she will get higher than she is now. I do. I think she'll consolidate. I think she, that might just be a step too far. But she could. She could.
2: I'm with Anki Kiotovang. I don't care what you say, Catherine. Now, uh, we've got lots of other things to talk about because we've had so many other things happen in Wuhan. First of all, uh, Garbino Mugarutha coming through strongly again. We heard about the association she has with Sam Sumick earlier on. It is funny, though, isn't it, how a change of coach can make such a difference. And we've seen it so many times.
1: We have and there seems to have been a lot of that over the last year and a half, two years. I mean the the sort of Jeanie Bouchard coaching circus has been very well documented in Azarenka and lots of, you know, a bit of a merry-go-round of coaches on the WTA Tour with sort of varying degrees of impact. Just, you know, a change being as good as a rest has to be a factor because um, all coaches say I mean, I remember and Andy Murray talks very well about Amelie Moresmo getting it in the neck for Murray's performance at Wimbledon in 2014 losing to Grigor Dimitrov and he just said, well, all she's basically done up to that point is sort of observe him and try to get to grips with how he works he said that had absolutely nothing to do with her because a coaching relationship doesn't really start until several weeks in so there obviously is something to be said for just that fresh lease of life obviously has a huge huge impact doesn't it
2: i'm getting a new coach absolutely it might be catherine now we'll finish this episode of the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph by taking a few of your questions you've been firing them at us with great gusto on twitter at tennis podcast first of all darren robertson has said is the women's game an era of high competitiveness or is serena williams domination of that era a suggestion that maybe it isn't that competitive and that other players lack a certain level of belief. I would say that element is quite true. I think it is competitive, but I do think she is on another level and I do think she's also created an aura around herself where players are already a few games down before they take to the court against her.
1: Absolutely, I think there's a bit of both in there. I think uh, Serena Williams, just her presence on the tour has inevitably and undoubtedly raised the sort of mean level of women's tennis enormously. Without Serena, Williams, tennis would be at a less high standard than it is now. But there is equally this enormous golf and I think players do not just because of how good she is but also just because of her whole demeanour players do lack the belief there's only a tiny minority of players that in their body language when they walk onto the court really look like they think they could win Azarenka is the one that jumps out to me the most that she doesn't look afraid if she is afraid she covers it up well so I think there's a bit of both in there, but I, I don't think it would quite be fair to just say Serena's brilliance indicates lack of commitment from other people in tennis, that, from other women's tennis players, that would be, I think, enormously unfair? Enorm- yeah, a reductive. A reductive um, assessment of the situation.
2: Catherine Whittaker has spoken. Sarah Evans wants to know what foreign journalists make of Johanna Konta. Are they as impressed as we are in the UK? Honestly, I don't think people are in other countries could care less really she's top 50 in the world she's barely registered on their Richter scale, has she?
1: They did during the US Open. A qualifier making the second week of a Grand Slam is a big deal. And uh, I did, they produced the press clippings for the for the media, at the media desk at the US Open, and I picked those up ev- every morning. Um, and after she beat Garbina Muguruza, I was reading through them, and there was a lot about Joe Conta in the American press. And uh, I remember making reference to this in one of my broadcasts on Eurosport. Um, I was being asked by them, look, we know how it's being picked up here, but how how is Joe Conter being covered out there and I remember saying well I read one piece about her in I think it was USA Today referring to her, to her as an Iron Woman and who on earth would have thought that Joe Conter, she of mental frailty might be referred to in the American media one day as an Iron Woman so I, I mean obviously it's not registering uh, with the same penetration elsewhere but a qualifier making the second week of Islam is a big deal
2: on, on any scale I would love to be referenced as an iron person at some point in my life. Sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Abby says, how much would Great Britain winning the Davis Cup do for the Andy Murray legacy? Does it drastically affect it in terms of his place on the greatest of all time list? I, I don't think it would make an awful lot of difference. I do think on a personal level it would be a huge achievement for him. I do think it is a factor, but... I think the thing is with him is he's so far away in terms of Grand Slam titles, one from all the others, that it. I only think it really comes into play once he's won an awful lot more Grand Slam titles.
1: Yeah, I don't think, I mean, so many of the top players have made it a goal at one stage of their career to win the Davis Cup. Federer, Djokovic, not just because of the personal achievement of it, but also the impact it's had on on their individual careers I don't think just having the words Davis Cup winner next to Andy Murray's name will make the difference I think if he does it if GB do it I think when we look back on the specifics of how that was done and the contribution he made I think that could go down as one of the greatest Davis Cup achievements to have sort of single-handedly won all the all the singles matches which regardless of how the finals goes he's pretty much put that sort of an effort in already Um, So I don't think just adding that simply on the computer to his list of achievements makes an awful lot of difference. I think, though, the the way it could potentially be done will count as something pretty monumental.
2: Associated question to that. Owen wants to know, putting our British bias aside, bias? I'm not biased. Are you biased? (laughs) I'm not biased. I don't care what Catherine says. I'm not biased, Bowen. (laughs) All right, or maybe I'm a, bit, a little bit. Uh, has it really been a big four in this era? No disrespect to Murray, but has it been a big four? Or is it, a, in his words, hashtag the big three? Do you know what I think? I actually think it, there is a big four, but I think he's a very distant fourth. That is how I would characterize it. I mean, actually, he's, he's won a little bit more than Stan Wawrinka in terms of major titles, include that Olympics amongst it. They've won the same number of Grand Slam titles. He's been at the top for a lot longer. I think that has to be factored in. But I, I, I think it is only just a big four. We've got used to saying it, but if you actually look now at the accomplishments of the other three, there's a, a major chasm between them.
1: Without question, yeah, I would agree. It's a big, it's a big four. I think because pretty much consistently, with odd exceptions, odd odd blips of post back surgery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I think it does count as a big four because almost entirely consistently, when Andy Murray has stepped onto the court in the past five years let's say against any of those other, other three you've always thought Andy Murray's in with a good shout here and I think that's what makes a difference you know that's the difference between him and Thomas Burditch you know you think oh Thomas Burditch could maybe do this but I'm certainly not sticking any money on him and that for me makes the difference but he has to be a distant fourth look at the golf and the achievements as it currently stands.
2: Ali says Grigor Dimitrov discuss. Ugh. Lost to Becca this week was not good.
1: Oh, Ali, how much time do we have left David? I mean when, how, About two minutes. How long was it ago that I said I'd lost belief and you looked at me scathingly because if I'd lost belief then I certainly i
2: still looking scathingly everybody.
1: He's not doing anything to reignite my belief, let's put it that way.
2: Yeah but he's got a new coach now Franco Davin. Maybe this could be the shot in the arm.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Franco Devine was delighted to see him lose to Benjamin Becker. It? As you
2: said, though, with Amelie Moraes and Andy Murray, you shouldn't be jumping to conclusions so quickly. No. No double standards, Catherine Whitaker.
1: I don't think there's zero hope. I'm just certainly, I think... You're not even
2: 25 yet.
1: I think in the uh, words of Johnny Cash and June Carter,
2: time's a waste in Griggle. Hold on a minute. He's the same age as Joe Conter and you're getting all excited about her.
1: Yeah, show me... So- Joe Conter is showing me something. Grigor Dimitrov is showing me...
2: He's in a trough.
1: All right, yeah, you're, you're talking yourself into Grigor Dimitrov, multiple Grand Slam champion, David. No, Have no, no I'm, trying to get some,
2: I'm trying to get some balanced view here.
1: I think he could still do it, but if, if I had to say now, I, I don't see it happening.
2: I believe in you, Grigor. Prove them all wrong, that's what I say. Ali also wants to know, what do you think about Jamie Murray not playing the Asian swing? Doesn't seem smart, given they've not qualified for the 0-2 yet. They're going to qualify for the 0-2. He's having a bit of a break. I think it's absolutely fine. What do you think?
1: I think uh, he's done the maths and he feels confident. I think if he wasn't pretty sure of them qualifying, he wouldn't be doing this, and it's a risk he's prepared to take. So, fine. I I trust in Jamie Murray's mathematical abilities.
2: So do I, given that mine are so rubbish. I'm with you, Jamie Murray. Now, we've got lots more questions. I'm afraid we haven't got a chance to ask them, answer them all on this particular episode of the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. However, we'll be back every single week on a Monday, so we'll get to more of them. Then we've got lots more to get through. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us here on the Tennis Podcast. Thank you for listening to us. Do subscribe on iTunes. That'll make sure that you're the first one to get the episode every single Monday. Do go to the Telegraph website a read of all the content on there loads of tennis chat and articles from Simon Briggs and the rest of the Telegraph team on there and do leave us a review as long as it's a very positive one if you don't want to leave a positive one don't leave one at all on iTunes but that's all for now on the tennis podcast thanks for listening